Betty Black. Still Black. Putting it forward to McElroy. And it's a goal! That's corner. Chance to right. One nil to Kilmarnock. Johnson. Oh, this will be interesting. Kilmarnock have scored. Six and a half minutes to go. And Kilmarnock, through the turnout, have taken the lead at Hamden. Shaw's in the middle. He cuts it back. Always Shaw needs to take a touch. Leaves it back to Austin. That's a goal. It will surely now see Kilmarnock close the championship title and secure the return to the Premiership. Hello there and welcome listeners to another episode of the Killy View. Um, I hope you are all well. I hope you enjoyed uh, last week um, and we've had a lot of good feedback. Um, but as usual, uh, it'll be myself, Martin and Neil. So Neil, we've survived a week. We're on to week two. How are you? I'm very well, thanks, Martin. Um, thanks for everybody who tuned in last week. And, and took something from the podcast. We've really been encouraged by the feedback and really appreciate anybody who's engaged with the pod. As I said last week, it's just really to add to the conversation, um, which is largely dominated by Celtic and Rangers. Again, all week, you could be forgiven in the mainstream media if you're trying to follow Scottish football that way for thinking that there's only two clubs in Scotland. So very pleased that we're able to uh, add something to the conversation and that people seem to respond pretty positively. So, aye, pleased to be here, Martin. Great stuff, Neil. And before we, uh, well, for, to the listeners, uh, obviously, uh, we'll just do a run-through, really, of what, what tonight for the next hour uh, is going to be. Um, so, we're going to um, touch on a few things. Um, so, we briefly touched on last week, before the end, what we were going to talk about in terms of attack, uh, looking at the stats on that. So, that will be uh, covered by predominantly by Neil. He'll have a few stats from last season on part two. But on part one, we're going to um, discuss the uh, Dunfermline uh, result yesterday there, which Neil went to. So he'll talk about that as well. Um, two wins out of two, two clean sheets. Performance-wise, may have not been up to scratch, but it's, it's you know, that's the least. You, know, you can't ask for any more, Neil. And, um, yeah, we're also going to be talking about the new signings as well. Uh, so we've... Uh, Landed Lewis Mayo back, um, spent money and a three-year deal. So that was a surprise. And that was on the same day that the report came out, which I'll be uh, having a wee uh, sort of view on. And yeah, it was quite a good um, response from the report that came out as well. So we'll have a touch on that. And also uh, Marley Watkins uh, entered the building um, late in the week as well. Um, so, yeah, it's been a pretty positive week, hasn't it, Neil? Yeah, absolutely. Really been encouraged by how many people have, have responded positively to the pods, you know, and um, put together a wee Twitter thread off the back of it on uh, Monday evening, which again was, was received quite positively, you know, it was easy enough for me to put that together and I think um, I'll probably do that off the back of every pod, so things that I'm saying on here, uh, I can, I'll back up on Twitter if anybody's interested in reading what I've had to say on here, then... Um, that should become a regular regular thing on Twitter as well. Yeah, and eventually that will be sort of transpired onto a website as well where you can go back onto the latest episodes um, later on in the season um, if you want to flick back. And also the stats will be provided there. So you can also flick back at the stats on how they were then and, and to how they are later on in the season. So there's a lot going on. Uh, we've only just really started this in the last few months. It's really gathered pace. We've Sort of really excited about how uh, the first episode went last week. Um, and touching on what Neil mentioned about the response, I'm just going to quickly mention some names out there that really did sort of give us some encouragement of response. And, you know, hopefully if it's um, something that's out there for you lot, then we'll continue to do this. Um, it's something that surely, you know, that me and Neil are very passionate about and um, we sort of get on really well, don't we, uh, in this respect. So, first of all, it's quite a lot of... Um, it was mainly through Twitter and YouTube, to be fair. So the YouTube channel uh, gathered an extra 21 followers, um, 
which which was brilliant to be fair and there were some good comments on there but uh, also on twitter we've gained another 42 uh, followers so appreciate the following um, and spreading the word from people that are following us already um, so yeah just reading through the comments there so we've got aht 1869 enjoyed it very much uh, the scottish forum fo- uh, football forum podcast congratulations on release of the first episode again giving us some good encouragement there uh, I believe they're just starting their 13th season. Am I right in saying that, Neil? Yeah, it's been going since '09, I believe. Right, OK. Yeah, really good. I've been on there a couple of times. Uh, Neil, they may have mentioned the meaty pole to you. Uh, I don't know if they have or not. <laughs> I thought you should offer some extra context to that, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, something to do with me getting a bit mixed up with the... Um, oh, the the Miramis, yeah. So uh, the greasy pole, and I call it the meaty pole. So that was their title for the, the week I was on. So yeah, that was a that was a good laugh. But hey, I, I'm new to the Miramis, so you know, for me, um, yeah, greasy meaty pole. It's the same thing, but it sounded really good. And they were they even said it's probably one of the best titles they've had for their episodes. So I was <laughs> I was quite chuffed to take that claim to fame on that one. Um, Stephen Hopes, uh, good listen. Um, he's actually got a shout out for you here. Neil does like a stat. Should be interesting as the season moves forward. Keep up the good work. So thank you there, Stephen. Uh, Laurie Finlinson, he's actually put a couple of different comments up there. So that was superb. Can't wait for next week's episode. Well, here we are. So hopefully enjoy this one, Laurie. He's also put, if you like me, if, if like me, you love Killy and are a bit of a stato, then KFC View is the podcast for you. So good shout out there. Thank you very much, though. Much appreciated. Um, we might have to start calling Neil the um, Jeff Stelling of Kilmarnock at this rate. Um, Mikey Kenmuir, a good listen, lads. Enjoying all the stats-driven talk. Definitely gives a different perspective. Can't wait for the next episode. Up the Killy. And forever and ever as well, they do a fantastic podcast. And obviously, theirs came out last season. Excellent first listen. Well done, guys. Insightful and some compelling stats. So really good feedback there, talking about the stats. And that's what we're looking for here. We're not looking to compete with anyone. We're just looking to provide a different avenue all Kilmarnock content, and hopefully you all enjoy it. Like I say at, at the beginning of last week's episode, Neil, that these stats, some are very meaningless, aren't they? And we know that ourselves, but it's also interesting. There's some stats out there that you may not, like, there's, there's always a story to every stat, isn't there, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And there's some stats there are quite encouraging when you look at them and are quite interesting, uh, which we'll sort of go into yes. in more detail. Sorry, I thought you were in. Um... Are you looking for a view there on that, Martin? I, I would say that the better the better stats, people talking about these things in football, journalists, etc., have a way of making it relatable and, and not just sounding like a a maths lesson where, where they're, they're, both their writing and their podcast appearances almost they, they add to they add to the conversation. It's 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 helps people, or certainly me as a listener in the past, to understand the game from a different angle as opposed to bombarding people with statistical information, which is not what we're aiming to do here, is it? No, no, and that, that's a very good point there, Neil, because um, to, to the listeners out there, some of you, probably like myself, to be fair, hear XG thrown about. I mean, if you're a big uh, fan of Football Manager, um, you, you know, XG is used in that um, in some respects, but we, we just want to sort of um, educate maybe people of, about what XG is in a way, but also provide the information that what the XG stats mean. Um, and it sort of, you know, some people, every everyone differs. Um, you know, my opinion differs to yours, Neil. And there's always a reason behind that as well sometimes. But like sometimes the stats give that sort of reason, if you know what I mean. Uh, that's why I always say a, a stat always has a story. Um, and like I say, some of the stats, you know, um, you can look at, um, and the, like, there's one we're going to talk about about Ollie Shaw, aren't we? Uh, later on, which um, you know I'm not going to say right now, but it's something that was he got a lot of slating, is all I'm going to say. But then when you look at the stats that we we looked at, um, there was a bit of encouragement to prove that it, you know, it could have been different. So. Um, and there's a number of reasons, you know, with the stats um, out there, what they mean. So, I mean, as the season goes on, hopefully, you know, Neil, especially, you're quite an expertise rather than myself, will sort of, you know, go into more detail about what they mean. Um, so, for example, expected goals and that, what, what that sort of means, 
um, and, and etc. There's loads of different stats, isn't there, Neil? And you're going to sort of briefly touch on that tonight at some point, aren't you? Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't definitely don't consider myself to be an expert. I've just suppose I've engaged with this way of the, as the definitions and the way of looking at football through statistics has evolved. I have kind of tried to keep up and understand it as I've, I've been going up, going along for the last few seasons. I have been engaging with these new models for understanding football. I, I, I must say, I have gone down the rabbit hole a bit with it. I do, I do love it. Um, I must say so, but I'm definitely not an expert. Like it's, I mean, I'm sure there'll be listeners out there who are maybe more mathematically minded than I am. I mean, it's not my aim, as I said, to bombard people with yeah. stats. You're, you're, you're definitely, uh, you're definitely more clued up than me. So yeah, <laughs> I'll give you that one. But no, I know, I know what you you mean. There is a, there is a lot of people out there that probably do understand this. But I think it's just good to have that stats based um, sort of you know, talking about it during the season um, because it does help understand certain aspects of people's views is probably what I'm trying to say in some respects. But it's also good to throw that out there. Um, it's quite an interesting... There's a lot a lot of people that are, are interested in this sort of thing um, as two or three of the comments are already and it does have a compelling, you know, um, difference on uh, aspects. I mean, Carl last week on Forever and Ever was quite amazed at the start you pulled out from the goal difference uh, way back in... Was it the 1982 or something? It was the worst goal difference, I think it was, you said? Worst top flight goal difference since, since 82-83. We also obviously get relegated in the 80s in the really dark times from, from the first the old first division down to the old second division before we come back under Tommy Burns. And I haven't actually got as far as looking at the old first division. Maybe somebody could tell me whether we got worse than minus 25 in the second tier. Maybe we did. I don't know. We definitely got relegated. Uh, from the from the second tier, as, as as a lot of people will know, so but certainly in, ter- in terms of top flight goal difference, that was the worst since eighty two eighty three. Yeah, certainly been the worst in certainly been the worst in my time. Anyway, um, I mean, yeah, that, and that's kind of the starting point, isn't it? Like we're, we're working from like we're trying to work from facts. Last season was it was the worst goal difference since eighty two eighty three, and that's that's going to be our starting point because it's a it's a statistical fact that we're going to try and build out from because we don't have any data for the new 23-24 season. Aye, and that's, and to be fair, we touched on that. Um, we also talked about minutes and that, didn't we, last week, and how you mentioned about defenders and bringing, you know, we'll look at the squad and where it is at the moment. So, f- for me, we've covered a large, large amount of those minutes lost from last year by bringing in Mayo, but um, he's someone that will... Um, certainly improved that team because he was one of the standout players last year as the season went on. Um, he's a solid player. You know what you're going to get from him nine times out of ten. And um, he can fill a couple of positions in defence, you know, a centre-back or right-back. So, for me, um, I believe, well, well, before we go into the Dunfermline game and the layout and that, um, I was I was thinking back to when McInnes was at Aberdeen in... I always remember the three centre-backs being used at times end quite a lot. So you'd have like, I don't know, was it Constadine, uh, McKenna, Taylor, O'Connor. These sort of players would be the back three. But then he would use like probably what he's doing with Kennedy and Armstrong at the minute. He would use like Niall McGinn um, and Johnny Hayes as his sort of wing-back um, sort of, um, you know, Go, you know, so that three-five-two formation, sort of like what he's trying to do. Even though he didn't probably play that yesterday, it looked like more like a four-four-two from the lineup. I don't know; I might be wrong um, from what it looked like, but it did look like more of a flat-back four. Um, would that would that be correct, or was that was that not the case, Neil? Do you, do you want me to cover them, Fairman? Do you want me to just go ahead? And... Yeah, yeah. So, so I was just I was just briefly touching on what I, what he did at Aberdeen there. So, would you agree that the obviously? Do you think that's what he may do eventually this this season, as predominantly as his main focus, or do you reckon he does need to get a, a full back in like we touched on last week? Have you ever wondered what's at the root of homelessness? I used to try to describe it to my husband that um, I said I feel like I'm in this big spider web and I'm stuck in there. And how wraparound approaches at missions aim to make a difference. It's the things like that, the people who communicated that in spite of my rough edges, that they authentically cared about me. 
On the Restorers Podcast, we'll talk to experts, investigate current issues, share stories, and give you an inside look at how we at Water Street Mission tackle issues related to homelessness and poverty every single day. Join us by searching Restorers wherever you find your podcasts. Well, on, on well, I suppose on that point, I always used to think that Derek McInnes and the Aberdeen comparison is hard not to, isn't it, to compare his Aberdeen team because we really struggled, even at a peak with Steve Clark, we really struggled to get to get one over in Aberdeen, didn't we? Um, the, kind of the boy team. And I always used to think, looking at them, that they were quite fluid. They were really, you didn't, what I really liked about them was you didn't ever really quite know who was playing where. I think that's what you're trying to say. They were, they were, and, and yeah, they were very dynamic uh, out wide. You weren't quite sure where they were going to pop up next. And I did see, I did see the beginnings of that, the kind of green shoots of that, I suppose, against Annan, where we obviously had lesser opposition. But I felt as if we played like you managed to get that Aberdeen team to to kind of take over like when they were at their peak. So I, no, I agree with you. Definitely yeah. agree with you. I think he's trying to do the same thing, I think, essentially. He's just only just beginning to get the, the players to do it, I suppose. What I, what I noticed, um, what I noticed, obviously, he had uh, Shay Logan as well, who was naturally a defender, but he was a very attacking player, a bit like uh, a James Cavanier, but uh, maybe a, a not a good aversion, but he was that type of player. So he had that versatility. I just think we need to maybe bring in at least one fullback that can maybe play right and left, you know, that's both footed. Um, so we can have that bit more vers- versatility because Mayo will could, could play in a flat back four or Finley or Endaba. Um, but ideally, it's not a natural position. But he he does like to play that three at the back by the looks of it. He didn't get to do it as much last season. We tried to, but he just didn't have the right players. He didn't have the right balance. Whereas this year, I feel looking at that squad already, as the weeks have gone by during pre-season and the signings that are coming in, step by step, it's progressively looking like the sort of team he would play. He likes a big target man, hence why he's playing Cameron. But... For me, I believe he will bring in a better target man. Um, who that may be, we, you know, we don't know. I touched on Cosgrove and Fletcher, which got sort of mixed responses, especially on Fletcher. But are two players out there that would be available. Um, but there is obviously others out there as well. So it's, it, we'll have to see what happens with that. But I do believe that the, the, as the season gets closer to the Rangers game, I don't, I can't see, I can't see us changing now. I think it will predominantly be that three at the back. Um, I know it's something you're not keen on. Um, and we did have a brief discussion on that last week. But yeah, you, you was there at Dunfermline yesterday, Neil. Um, a good 2-0 win. Goals from Murray and uh, um, Vass. Um, but yeah, you you uh, you give us your thoughts on the lineup when it came out um, before the game and just the game in general. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll kind of link to the, the point you just made there about three at the back, etc. And me not being keen. It's not that I, do, I dislike a three at the back formation. In fact, it's the opposite. I do I do actually like the, the three three at the back formation if done right, um, which I don't think we've been able to, to achieve yet because I don't think we've had the wing backs to do it yet. But um, it was very, I mean, t- yes, yesterday it was as kind of what we had hoped for, really, the, the week before. You know, it was so much, it was a kind of a 4 5 1, um, the introduction of Mayo. So last week we, we spoke about Mayo uh, uh, as a as a rumour. So we didn't know he was coming in. And then he came in. When you'd asked me last week, would I play Mayo? I'd said yes. I would play him on the right hand side of the defence. Yesterday, that, that is when I sat down in East End Park, that is exactly how Kilmarnock lined up. Um, it, it was Mayo on the right, it was Ndaba on the left, and it was um, Finlay and Dees in the middle, and it looked as close to a flat-back four as probably I've seen Derek McInnes play since since he went to this three away at Morton, I think it was, at the tail end of last season. So it, it, was, it was interesting listening to Derek McInnes after the match because it, it was clear that he wants one of these full-backs to push up a bit and, and May was obviously not going to be that guy but Ndaba was very effective yesterday I felt he was he was that guy I didn't realise he could this guy can play left back I didn't so it, this adds, adds a whole different dimension to and it was a factor that I didn't didn't kind of build into my, my discussion last week that, that Ndaba was 
was really really good at left back, and that that was straight away we we, we caught them firmly immediately after five minutes. Um, great switch of play by Armstrong, uh, brilliant control by Ndaba who pushed right up on the left, and and um, brilliant control. The Finland defender sold himself and Daba great composure into the box, got to the byline, took his time, cut it back. Terrific goal. So it was really pleasing and and, and really exactly what would what, what I'd kind of hoped Kamarnock might line, line up like going forward. So a, a lot to like. I mean the game kind of turned in 37 minutes when Fraser Murray, you might have heard about this. Fraser Murray kind of cynically brought down. We had a I think it was a corner and then um, the Finland broke away. It was the kind of the cynical one where he slid in and he blocked the guy and chopped him down. It was the Fermlin. Oh my! What what a meal they made of this! I mean, I mean, but even like pundits and things in the radio, Willie Muller was saying they thought it was a red card. Not for me. It's 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 not when you see when you compare that one to the Ross County on Abuse that got nothing like it. Callahan. It was it was it was just a stupid. Forwards challenge, and it was a, it was a, it was a, it was a yellow card all day yeah, long. I seen I seen it myself, and yeah, it was a rash challenge. But he didn't go in maliciously to try and take him out and break nah. his leg or anything. He went to go for the ball, mistimed it, caught the player, yellow card. End of the day, that's all it is. It's nothing more, nothing less. Nah. Um, and uh, what the you know, if if he didn't get a yellow card, then fair enough, you know. But it's it's um, yeah, I don't know. Referee Ewan Anderson got it spot on, like, but you then part went into full meltdown. Like the fans were like, the keeper had run out, and like they, you couldn't get the game going again for protesting and trying to get Murray sent off. And I thought it was a telltale sign because we had dominated for the first half hour. I felt as if some of the comments in social media were quite harsh in Kuala because we were so comfortable up to that point. But but the the momentum swung, you know, you know, momentum in football was everything really, and. That really brought East End Park to life. Where they had been really quite flat. They had shown odds and ends. They kind of, kind of we rode a look a bit. They hit the bar um, with a kind of Matt Kennedy actually um, defended well at the back post. Um, I'm trying to remember the context. Danny Armstrong actually it was who, who defending in his own box. Poor from Armstrong actually. He, he doesn't deal with it, and the, the guy the fella gets across and to back post and then. Um, um, the family should possibly equalise at that point, but it was it was first half. We, we were glad to see half time, and I think Derek McKinnis said the same thing. And then second half was kind of more of the same. They were quite creative um, going forward and giving us a bit of bother. Um, keeper Dennis get down well to one. Doesn't look as if he's, he wants to come off his line, but he's a good shot stopper by the looks of it. Um, and then McKinnis so often criticised for his subs on 65, made three really good subs. Polworth for Lions, who picked up a bit of a knock and played well up until then. Um, Vassell for Cameron and Armstrong for Watkins. And that really did, that just shifted the momentum completely back in Kilmarnock's favour as far as I'm concerned. And thereafter, I thought I thought the Kilmarnock were comfortable and I thought the goal was coming. I thought we Watson who up until that point hadn't had his best afternoon. I suppose he is very, very young and, and, and that consistency. I mean, he's a marvellous player. He really started to motor when a, a lot of other players, the legs were starting to, to tell. He was still full of energy and that, that momentum swing, he really started to play from about 65 minutes onwards. The goal for me was all about Watson driving and Daba again with a decoy run up the left and Daba could run up and down that line all day. So he's he's the answer on the left. Absolutely the answer as far as I'm concerned. He had a brilliant game. Finley that's, as well. Yeah, uh, like, defended that's, that's well really with Finley. Nice. Great balance on the left with him and Finley with the le- being left-sided. Left-hand side defence and then Mayo. These, we need to give them a chance, but we've got Joel right there as well. So they are, those two will be competing for that kind of right-sided centre-back position. But Watson for the goal just... Took everybody by surprise, drove through the middle and threaded. I don't see what he's not credited with an assist as far as I can see, but from, from where I was sitting, it looked like a straight assist to Vassell and who just lashed it lashed at home on the 81st minute. So I, I, I couldn't really see why Kamala were getting so heavily criticised. It was a great result. Um you were always gonna have moments in a match like that away at them firmly. I mean it was exactly what we wanted, was it not? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I see. I, I wasn't at the game. I've not watched the highlights, so I'm, I'm only, I'm only, I'm only going on like what people have said. Um, but you was at the match. You've seen it all. Um, and for me, uh, not even having to watch the match, I predicted Dunfermline would be the toughest game of the lot, simply because Rafe are at home. You know, you know, we're at home now. Dunfermline, when you look at it, they're they're a team that got relegated last year. There's no given right for any team to be in any league, but for me, they're a Premier League team um, potentially in the future. You know, they, they've got the infrastructure, they've got the grounds, you know, they've probably got the fans. It's a bit like they're a bit of a sleeping giant, but they're, they're one of those teams that you can go to and, and you know, um, struggle with. I mean, you look since McInnes has come in, we didn't have a fantastic away record um, in the championship with, with McInnes. We had a terrible away record in the um in, in in the league last year so for me it's all about momentum and it's all about confidence and it's all about just getting minutes in the legs and and being professional and at the end of the day i would happily take a 3-0 win at home to annan a 2-0 win and not have the perfect performance but take five goals two clean sheets it's the world of good for the confidence of the defense keeping two clean sheets doesn't matter if you're playing rangers at home or annan or confirming at the end of the day it's all about building that confidence and see at the end of the day if we went if we didn't qualify going into the rangers game that confidence we're at a low but see if we're banging goals in and keeping clean sheets going into that rangers game doesn't matter if you're playing teams in the in the lower divisions it's all about confidence it's all about that cohesion with the team and for me i think that that's the positive to take out of uh, the, the last two games not the performance the performance will come you ask any celtic and rangers fans they would take that any day when they play their games you know performances will come yeah you fans have got a right to sort of be frustrated with the performances but let's not forget this is a brand new team we've had nine how many players leave over the last um you know so many uh, so many months um, and players coming in, they're all bedding into the new idea, the new tactics. McInnes is obviously uh, what one thing I will point out as well is the predictor app that I use um, for the lineup and a lot of other Kilmarnock fans use. <laughs> I was annoyed because Mayo wasn't on that list, and I picked nine out of ten, but I put Joe Wright in because I put Mayo because Mayo wasn't there. So, but what I'm trying to say is. I would have got 10 out of 11 for the predicted lineup. Now that is unreal. See, I, I just had a feeling that I knew already what type of lineup McInnes was playing. See if you gave, if he's told me that in May, just gone there, I'd still be struggling to work out what McInnes is doing. That in itself speaks volumes about where we are compared to last season. Wouldn't you agree, Neil? Absolutely. And, and, an honorary mention for whoever come up with the, the chant, boom, boom, boom. Let me hear you say Mayo, Mayo. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> absolutely brilliant. I got a message from uh, Neil today. I'm in the park, uh, K Park. I'm on my own. Charlotte's on her bike, and I'm just like uh, reading this message. And all of a sudden, I'm singing it in my head. Next minute, I'm singing it out loud. And then this guy walks by with his dog and looking at me, and he's just smiling. He <laughs> must have thought I was a bit of, of, of a mad guy, like just around the park, like, you know, on my own. Um, but yeah, no, it was, uh, it's brilliant. So um, yeah, that's that's already put the claim to fame for the title of this episode anyway. So oh, whoever come up with that, take a boo, brilliant. Yeah, absolutely superb. Um, um, and it's good, you know, it's good to see you talk about that. It's a good atmosphere. Um, it's just uh, for me, I, I don't, I don't see the negativity really. We we won two clean sheets, like I say. Win win on Wednesday, we can then look to um, you know, obviously get another win at Albion. Four out of four wins going into Rangers. Hopefully, four clean sheets would be absolutely fantastic. And you couldn't ask for anything more, could you? Really? Okay, you could ask for better performances, but it's massively encouraged. Much more optimistic after after. The introduction of Mayo and, and looking at the way we set up yesterday, Martin. Yeah. I just think like the, the way that squad has been built up. If, I, as you know, I've always put the squad together every time a signing comes up in the positions, and I've I've changed it to that three-five-two formation and such now. And the only real weak area for me is that sort of wide fullback area because, but then 
now we've touched on it that Andaba can play that push forward more, which is quite an interesting one. Um, mm. So that's changed the dimension of that again on how we look at that. But um, it's really just a striking department. Um, but even then, we've we seem to have more goals from our midfield attacking outlet, which we'll go on to. Um, we're going to be talking about the stats of last season, but I mean that's Murray with two goals in two games and one assist. Um, and yes, okay, it's against the likes of Annan and Dunfermline, who is not in and they're not in the league. You know, that's some people would argue that's his level. But then Danny Armstrong was a nobody the season before, scored a couple of goals in in the same competition, and people were saying the same about him, saying, "Oh, will he get a chance?" Um, didn't start the first couple of games, came off the bench, and then all of a sudden he just it just clicked for him. For me, I do feel that Fraser Murray can keep his head down and get the right guidance, he could be uh, potentially a um, surprise package this season. Um, I'm really impressed with Fraser Murray so far. I mean, 67% shot conversion rate from from him so far this season, one assist in two games. It's, you can't ask for anything more from him at the moment. And he looks a totally different player for me compared to last season as well. Just, yeah, yeah we've drawn at half time to protect him, because which was a really good game management, I thought, from Derek McInnes. We've drawn at half time, um, half time sub, which aye, because they, they, they had it's obviously it had been it had been kind of full full meltdown in East End Park and and um, Murray was Murray was getting the brunt of that. Brought on Kyle McGuinness, who definitely that looks like a player, but definitely looks like he needs the minutes. So yeah, n- nothing, no grumbles from me on yesterday, Matt. Yeah, and we've touched on Mayo. We're going to talk about the new signings. We 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 know about Mayo. We know what he can do. Um, you know, he's got his own song, so you know, boom, boom, boom to Maya. But uh, Marley Watkins. Now, I think this is a very clever signing. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I put it out there um, when, when we signed him. I remember odds and ends of him playing against Kamala, but um, I'm part of the Scottish Football Forum's um, group chat on Twitter, and so I put it out there. There's there's Erin Grieve, um, John Brownlee, um, and John Bleasdale are all Aberdeen fans, so and they're all regular attenders at Pitogi. So I asked them their opinion. So Erin got back to straight away. He's very good. He can play either a winger or striker. His goal return, I think, is um, his poor goal return is due to a, a lack of game time and confidence. Plays very nicely. Um, honestly, I think you've got a brilliant signing there. Not a dig at Kelly, but I thought he'd go somewhere at a higher level. Uh, greeting, laughing face emoji. I'd happily have kept him. And then uh, John Brownlee, who's the host of the Scottish Football Forums podcast. Um, he was really good for us when he first signed, but struggles to stay fit. Reckon he could be a decent signing for you guys if he can get a regular run of games. Probably suits playing in a team who plays on the counter-attack. His best spell with us was when we had Wright, which would be Scott Wright and Hedges playing along with them. The three the three of them were a joy to watch together. And then John Bleasdale, who's my, my co-author um, for my book project, says Watkins is a very good signing. He's not prolific. He's a good target man, got very clever feet. Big issue is his fitness. So, very positive. For me, that sounds like a typical Deutsch, but he's... Um... Sounds like he's he's better on his feet. No disrespect to Doidge, but at times he really did frustrate you last season. Um, for me, Watkins is a good signing because, like you say, he can play out wide. He's got that experience. Um, he's not going to be a starter every week. But when you've got the likes of Murray, who's probably playing a more central role at the minute, but then Armstrong um, and Kennedy out wide, you've also got that option for you know, I felt last season Armstrong got burned out too much at times because we relied on him too much. Whereas now you've got someone like Watkins who we talk about substitutes and how, um, you know, we, we didn't have that sort of option last year. And sometimes the, op- the substitutions didn't really make any sense and they were left too late. Whereas you, you've touched upon it, they were very good subs this week. Um, I feel like Marley Watkins is that type of player that you can bring on with half an hour to go just to maybe uh, give us something different if we're needing a goal or, or give you that experience to hold the ball up and, and, and keep it up top and defend it. Um, you know, Like I say, he's good in the air. I remember he was quite good at Inverness um, as well um, in his stints um, with them. 
And yeah, he doesn't have a big goal return, but what he does have is he has lots of experience and is good in, in other areas. So, um, and you, you touched upon there, Scott Wright and was it Ryan Hedges, who he played alongside with uh, in that sort of three. So say if, you know, Vassell wasn't playing, he was injured or whatever, there was no, it wasn't available. You've then got that dimension of not having him out wide, but you can also bring him into the middle. Uh, alongside your fast sort of wide players as well so it's quite interesting really we've got that dimension of potentially playing a 4-3-3 um or fitting into that 3-5-2 whatever you want to call it um you know but i do feel as though the this is a sort of mckinnis type of signing you know and i do think there will be another striker coming in for definite um, but yeah it's a very good signing a one-year deal so at the end of the day if it doesn't work out you know, we're not tied to him at the end of the season either. So it's a win-win for us. And if he does well, um, you know, maybe another option. I feel like I feel like it's a bit of a, like a Scott Robinson type of player signing. In, not not the type of player he is, but in terms of experience, you know, he's not going to give you loads of goals, but he'll give you something up top. Um, obviously, Scott Robinson struggled with his injuries and that. And you mentioned about Watkins and his injuries. I'm just hoping that that's not the same and hopefully he will... Um, be okay but then that's the thing the only concern is we are signing a lot of players as well with, with, with injuries in the past like McGuinness as well just you just like to think that you know that, that this isn't going to be a problem so I think if that does become a problem then uh, we would have to obviously look at the loan market maybe in January um, as well but what, what, do you, what, what do, you, do you would you overall be happy with Watkins from what you've known in the past do you Okay, yeah, well, I saw, I saw him yesterday. I was very encouraged by what the Aberdeen fans said about him that, that fed back to me, and uh, it, it kind of matched yesterday what they said, really. Um, good feet, um, good movement. What Derek McKinnon says he likes to get in behind, we saw evidence of that, almost got, got in behind the Fenland's defence, certainly on, on one occasion. He just nicked the ball before the goalkeeper on a different afternoon, it, it, it's just like a hair's breadth, really, from being able to um, poke it underneath the goalie and, and into the net. It, to be honest, after those subs were made, I don't think Dunfermline really had any answer. And, and we changed shape, and Watkins was part of that. It gave us a different way uh, to play. It, we were much more narrow. Armstrong was withdrawn. We didn't really look to... Uh, and, and, and Kennedy was moved over to the right, but playing a bit deeper. It was very, it was very different. Not a shape that I'd seen before. And Daba kept his kind of brief of of up and down like the Chambers role, up and down the left, like Chambers from last season. So, and and Watkins did exactly what you've kind of expressed there. That he gave us a, a much different option. They, they, they couldn't. They were struggling to pick him up. His movement was good. And Vassell, obviously, he was just a powerhouse. Came on, came on, and a few minutes later had absolutely flattened their centre back but like in a 50-50 not a foul like flattened them like completely squashed them on <laughs> it's like that, I knew he was in a game at that point and you know I no on Watkins though yeah it gave, gives us something different that we haven't had and, the, and these are the sort of signings that we should be looking at, you know, like some Mayo. I mean, Mayo especially, right, before we go into the second sort of bit, talking about the stats and the tackles, so I want to briefly touch on the, the report. Now, I'm not going to get into too, de- too much detail, so it's a long-winded report, but uh, the report that came out was absolutely a brilliant read. I mean, just to see that, it's like, you actually see that there is a plan there, um, and there is well, a lot of good work going. Five-year plan, isn't it? Well, yeah, and it's... Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I remember when we got relegated, and yeah, the the mistakes they all came out looked like naughty school children, uh, the three of them, you know. But since then, we we, you know, they've really they've really backed McInnes. They really do believe that McInnes is the guy. And whilst we were all questioning why he was given this three and a half year deal or whatever, you know, it's amazing how things can change. And I'm not, I mean, don't want to get too ahead of ourselves because the league season starts. We could lose in the first three or four and we'll go back to where we were last season. But so far, it's so good. I, I do. I just feel there's a different positivity this year around um, to where we were um, last summer during these cup games. But yeah, going back to that report, I mean, 
I just, you know, the best bit about the report was reading that we um, cut Celtic and Rangers allocation by half. Um, and we then were able to buy one of their players and give them some money as well and not be skint as they keep claiming we always are. So um, those empty seats they keep banging on about um, are making us loads of coins. So it's, uh, it was a pleasing report and that was the, the pleasing aspect of the lot. But no, it's, it's, it's good. There was a... Stuff in the Moffat, like, you know, for the kids and that as well with the community and the different community stuff they do. But for the kids in the Moffat, they're going to be other things coming in the future, which is great. You've got this training complex, which is meant to be coming. I just, and there, there was a thing as well I read about, they've got this new accommodation set up for younger players coming up. So, you know, like, for example, like so Chris Ann and Chambers that came up last year, sort of, um, it, it accommodates like up to five people, like this accommodation complex. I thought, that's brilliant and it's it's not even um i think it, it didn't go into the budget or something it's, it's not come out of the budget or anything like from anywhere so these, these are things that have been built on done in the in the background and i just think these wee sort of things that are done it's it's great i mean i said this i said this to people many a time see when you go to rugby park on a saturday it's it's always jumping and it's not very often you go to uh, most grounds um around the league and you've got a nice like park hotel sitting there you know with the people outside drinking before the game mingling about mixing in with each other meeting everyone you know it just it's, it's great and then you've got the ground right there as well there's always a lot going on you see you know it, it just for me it's such a friendly place to go it feels like a safe place to go it feels like a proper community family club and things have really shifted especially since coming out of covid and I just, be, you know, if you haven't had a read on it, have a read on the report, just see where things are going. Because it, the one thing I will say is Kilmarnock Football Club at the moment isn't just about 90 minutes on the football field. It's a lot more. And you should be taking great pride in who you support. Because honestly, I, I'm not even from Kilmarnock. And I feel so attached and associated to Kilmarnock in so many ways. And that report was just, uh, it was just a proud, it was, I was so proud to read it and see how far we've progressed and, Hopefully that they do meet these targets. They even touched on the season tickets, how they're progressing. There was a sort of there was there was a question mark over uh, one of the figures on the season tickets. Obviously, after when we got into Europe, um, but in the whole, that yeah, we got five thousand season tickets last year. I think we're coming up to five thousand again this year. The aim is to get to that six thousand benchmark, and then eventually the eight thousand benchmark in the five years. I mean, to have eight thousand fans coming through the gates regularly, that'll be fantastic. You know, you add on the away fans, you're talking between 9, 10, 11,000, which is great. You know, if we can eventually get to those sort of attendances coming in in a, in a sort of every home game. So a lot of good things to look forward to. And hopefully with these new sort of training, uh, this new training complex and the new sort of features that I mentioned there, this will attract better players like we are already attracting. And it'll be a decent sort of club to come to. It's not just because sometimes I do believe that players don't just come for the football as well. They want to sort of feel like loved at the clubs. And if they've got good owners, good managers, good good people in the club, not just the owners and that, but people within the club. There's a lot of good people in the club um, that probably don't get a mention every week. And I just feel as though when you've got a good something good going on, um, it's great to just be on that crest of a wave. And, and, and at the minute, I do feel as though we are really you know onto something i mean you only have to look at last season we were very poor away from home but look at the numbers we took in the last three away games it was absolutely even even all season to be fair but to take 1600 to mirror 1800 to motherwell 1300 to dundee in a midweek um you know in a short space of time it's just fantastic support and and you know to thanks to all you supporters out there who you know just go week in week out it's you know it's fantastic it's phenomenal and yeah just i'm sure you probably echo some of those thoughts there neil with the crowd and, and the fans yeah absolutely and credit to you martin for taking the time to read the report it was on my to-do list that I didn't get through it i picked up the daily record on friday but it's only by to, to read the football and, and kind of gossip around the football but yeah, it was obviously the it made um, it, it's obviously there was the one talking point above all others about the halving the old firm attack allocation blah blah um, do you know <laughs> uh, I just I'm struck by how entitled Rangers and Celtic th think 
they are really, and, and why the way Kilmarnock run the business side really is anything. It's none of their business, really, as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, I, I'm going to cut. Time is yep. time is time is low, so I'll cut to the I'll cut to the statistical theme for this week, Martin. If you don't mind. Yep. Yes, you. So so it is striker. So Neil, you uh, you fire away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the theme this week is going to be last week was minutes played, which I always like looking at. Um, uh, before a season starts, this this week we're going to try and kind of look at strikers and goals. Last season, look at kind of what we what we did last season, what we did well, what, what we didn't do so well. So, um, start with a week start with a week glossary maybe. So we'll, you'll be hearing probably on this podcast expected goals. Martin's already um, referenced the, the phrase expected goals a couple of times. I don't know where people are with with their knowledge of the expected goals framework. You could. Have, as you say, people playing football manager. It was introduced to, to FIFA as well a couple of seasons ago. Um, so, I I mean, but anyway, whether you're an expert or whether you, you're um, not, I'll kind of try and explain. Expected goals so that football, I, I'll use a website called FBREF a lot, um, which takes its data from StatsBomb and I also use the, the Opta Analyst uh, website, which is fantastic as well. So, FBREF defines expected goals as the probability that a shot will result in a goal based on the characteristics of that shot and the events that lead up to it. So it's it's these um, models have hundreds of thousands of equivalent pieces of football action to, to draw on. So they look at all different parameters of the shot. Was there somebody ahead of the shot? Was there, Where were the defenders placed? And, and they put a probability on um, how we should... Should we expect a goal? And the value is is always between zero and one. So one being a hundred percent chance of a goal, zero point one being a ten percent chance of a goal. So it's it's when you persevere, you know. At first, you know, I was like, "What the hell? It's it's it's, it's this is too much for me." But the, the more you look at it, the more, in my experience, anyway. It really helps you to understand beyond just the, the simple the game was a one each draw. Whatever. I think when I really started to get into it was during the Euros Euro twenty Euro twenty twenty that was obviously delayed to twenty twenty one. I looked at the Scotland Czech Republic game in detail where, where Scotland were beaten two 0 at Hamden, absolutely crushed by that result, and it was Patrick Schick of. Um, Czech Republic who scored um, that incredible goal from the halfway line and also a really good headed goal but looking at looking at things that day you know Scotland's expected goals were higher than the Czech Republic and that was because Lyndon Dykes missed a couple of chances Andy Robertson had a reasonable chance James Forrest had a chance and it was from there I really started to develop my, my understanding that a game to look beyond maybe on a different day how a game might have gone that, that really expected goals was, was, was a useful um, addition, I suppose, to just goals and assists. So, um, Opta define expected goals as uh, expected goals measures the, the quality of a shot based on several variables, such as the assist type, shot angle and distance from goal, whether it was a headed shot and whether it was defined as a big chance, which is kind of maybe a one-on-one with the goalie or whatever. Adding up to a player or a team's expected goals can give us an indication of how many goals a player or team should have scored on average given the shots that they have taken. So it adds to me that extra dimension of, you know, we were unlucky today, you'll hear that all the time. But it gives you an actual evidence base of why why you were unlucky and you can look at it and say, oh, I we actually were unlucky today. And like using the Scotland Czech Republic game as an example where I thought we were quite unlucky that afternoon. So um so to cut to Comana, season 22-23, Comana's expected goals for the whole season was 42.6. So based on the shot, the quality of the chances that we had, Comana would have been expected to score 42.6 goals. We only actually scored 37. So we were below our expected goals. Other teams, um, for example, and quite a few teams, were, were really quite considerably above their expected goals. Take Hibs. Hibs, um, expected goals was only 49.1 but they scored 57 goals so there's quite a few examples of that Kilmarnock being below their expected goals last season was actually the exception rather than the norm in the Scottish Premier League so so there's other models though to look a wee bit and a wee bit more 
detail which Martin and I have kind of been sharing on WhatsApp and discussing in a bit more detail. And looking at the expected goals for Kilmarnock, where Kilmarnock were weak was open play. Kilmarnock had the lowest amount of goals in open play last season and, and from open play last season in the Scottish Premier League. We only scored 18 goals in open play. Um, the next loss was St Mirren with 22 goals from open play. So we were actually quite considerably worse than everybody else in goals from open play. Uh, what's that? Five worse than everybody else. So that that in itself was a disappointing start. And um, the other one, I suppose, which kind of balances that out is expected goals for from set pieces. We were, we were really, really high. So we, we had the highest expected goals ratio for set, set pieces and expected goals ratio was one that I was like, what, what is this? You know, and I have been swapping a few messages with one of the kind of foremost journalists. Uh, I I'm really pleased that he's re replying to me, Mark, Mark Carey, who's a big guy in the athletic and uh, this right, writing in the kind of football-related data field. He actually replies to my to my messages on Twitter, my DMs. He's what a, what a gent, you know, like I've got questions I don't understand. I'm saying to him, XG ratio. So I'm looking at the Opta Analyst website and I'm saying, so what does this mean? You know, uh, Kilmarnock's XG ratio. What this means is, and I'll put this out in a Twitter thread, is that Kilmarnock had the highest, um, or amongst the highest XG ratio for um, set plays. Well, we were right, right up there. Um, in fact, it might even have been the highest, highest XG ratio for, for set plays, uh, goals from set plays, which means that. In terms of all the goals that Kilmarnock scored, with the high we had in the league, Scottish Premier last season, we had the highest proportion of goals from set plays of, of any other team. So Kilmarnock scored 14 goals from set plays, which maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but um, when you consider how few goals we scored, we were right up there behind Celtic and Rangers in terms like Rangers were first for set play XG with 15.9 goals and Kilmarnock was second for expected goals for from set plays with 13.9 goals Celtic were, were third with with the 13.54 which means that we were in between the old firm in terms of expected goals from set plays which means that what, what does that tell us that, that Derek McInnes it's a massive part of his of his of his tactical plan, you know, it's just really we're trying to. We obviously Derek McInnes doesn't really make any secret of that in interviews, but this the stats back up that we actually did really well from from set plays. So we're we're open play, we're way down there. We scored fourteen goals from set plays last season, from thirteen point nine expected goals. So we actually exceeded our um, expected goals from from set plays. So. That's just kind of an example of, of, you know, the type of thing that, that might be interesting to bring to the fore, you know, to look at that difference. That's certainly the way opt analysts look at look at football from an analytic standpoint. They separate it out into open play and set plays, which was actually really quite a useful way to look at Kilmarnock last season because our, our open play and our, and our set plays in terms of where the goals came from was, was very, very different. So that that's maybe a starter for ten, Martin. Would you have any, any yeah, thoughts no, on that? I, I, I think that, that um start we, we touched on that and obviously, you know, during the season last year you could tell that we you know, I mean, outside of Armstrong, your top goal scorers was Ash Taylor and Joe Wright. Um and, and it was interesting really, it wasn't just even um goals. I mean Ash Taylor had goal contributions goal contributions of seven you know four goals three assists joe wright had five goals one assist even chris stokes chipped in with a couple and didn't really play that many um so we were really sort of uh, reliant on our defense and then obviously danny armstrong from set pieces to really sort of uh, give us um th those goals and i think it just indicates how crucial that was to keeping us up last year uh obviously Derek mckinnis likes a big team um he, and I suppose that's why he likes that free at the back. But it'd be interesting and um, to maybe come back uh, in another few episodes and obviously re you know, go back to how we are doing from set pieces, you know, during the season. And it's also I'm probably going to have a look to see how his expected goals return was from set pieces at Aberdeen, just to sort of reflect the sort of style of play that he did. 
so it may be something that we'll we'll throw into uh to that but yeah it's um it, it it's sort of it's it's an interesting what you say um, but I do feel as though that weakness that we had from open play has already been improved this season by bringing in like some McGuinness, uh, McGuinness um, Kennedy, you know, these type of players that will take the pressure off uh, Armstrong and, and give us more of a creativity and in in, in fluid, a uh, bit more fluid play in the middle. Um, obviously, Fraser Murray's come onto a game as well. So, yeah, certainly it, it does look like we're going to be more um, scoring more from open play. But I do feel as though we need to keep that set piece um, um, statistic and and add that to our game as well still because uh, it clearly does work and it's clearly effective and they always the added saying is um you know do what you're best at you know stick to your type of style don't worry about what other teams or the media or fans are saying to you i'm sure you know you have to you look at livingston as a perfect example they're not a pretty team to play but they were quite strong from set pieces and, and did well against the old firm in the past um and yeah just they play with that big target man up front as well and i think that's what mckinnis likes to use you know we had that with cosgrove at aberdeen um and adam rooney when he was there you know two type of players that bullied defenders about and he obviously likes to give cameron that chance but to be honest i don't think cameron's really the person um to step up to the plate for that um and obviously we'll see if another player comes in but before we sort of finish tonight, I just want to briefly touch on the news of uh, Kyle Vassell. Um, captain, absolute brilliant uh, decision, in my opinion. Um, he really does um, give his all for Kilmarnock. Now, when he first came in, there was question marks over whether he could score, if he was fit enough. Um, you know, is he going to be good enough to, you know, basically provide us what we need to stay up? But just a sort of brief sort of... Um, statistics really from from his commandant career to date including yesterday's game so he's played 19 games which accumulates to 1479 minutes he's got seven goals two at home five away four in the league three in the cup um two assists so altogether in the 19 games he's played he's got nine goal involvements as well which equals a 47 percent ratio um as well um so he does really you know he does actually give a lot to the team and if you even cut out the the first part of the season where he was trying to gain his fitness and understanding of the team style and that he was always he was always not fit then he got suspended so he was really in and out of the team for the first part of his uh, commandant career but you know he was superb in the split and he's really carried that on um there is going to be question marks over his fitness but i mean you know he was playing under an injury at times last season. And I just think he's the type of player you want as your captain. He just really does give us all, runs those channels, works his ass off. And he really does, you know, he's a really, really tough um, striker, you know, to play against. I just think, you know, he battles, he, he's going to bully defenders and, and he can he can finish. We've seen that. There's evidence of that. I mean, great finish yesterday. It's a type of finish you want to see your strikers doing. Um, and even going to his shots taken, you know, he's had 25 shots, which doesn't sound a lot for a striker, but then we haven't really created much from open play. But in the 25 shots he's had, he's had a target ratio of 12 out of 25, 13 off target. So, you know, nearly 50%, you know, 48 to 52 swing of being on target. So, you know, he really does, um, he does give a lot to the team up front. And if we can get a player that can maybe... Um, be a bit more clinical than Vassal or even on the same wavelength as that, um, then we have got a really good strike partnership, haven't we? But are you happy with the captain's uh, decision there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Why not? He looks to, as if he really wants to be at Komana. He's a, he looks, obviously, Derek McInnes considers him to be a leader. Celebrations yesterday with the fans. I mean, why not? And Rory is as vice captain. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, there is a lot to be encouraged by. Look, looking retrospectively again at last season, when things didn't probably go go just as well in front of goal, um, just to kind of close the loop on this Ollie Shaw um, start that you brought up a couple of times so people are not left wondering. Um, so last season, obviously Ollie Shaw left Kilmarnock under a bit of a cloud, um, had kind of lost... Um, a lot of the fans had kind of understandably lost faith in him with no, no goals, no assists. Um, 
And so, so just those those stark stats said that Ollie Shaw hadn't hadn't performed. But when you started to look at maybe some of the more kind of advanced metrics, you know, it kind of started to tell a bit of a different story last season about Shaw. And I did put out a, a Twitter thread when he was still a commander player to say like maybe we should maybe we should try and persevere with this guy. The, the reason being that from his seven seven stats, uh, seven starts rather, he'd, he'd taken twenty shots in goal at that point, um, and and that um, maybe doesn't sound like a lot, but if if he'd kept that up across thirty eight matches, he would have had a total of a hundred and eight shots in goal. And for a comparison, the, the person with the most shots in goal last season for command was Danny Armstrong with fifty nine. So if, if Ollie Shaw had kept up that. Um, amount of shots per game, he would have practically doubled um, Armstrong's tally of fifty nine. You know, so he was he was getting into the positions. You know, and um, we sat and his seven starts, he had seven shots in target, and so that meant that he was the, actually the only player, only commander player last season to finish the season with one or more shot on target per ninety minutes. Nobody else achieved that. Um, as you're indicating, obviously Kyle Vassell come on to a strong game, and he was just just behind in, in the end, but Shaw had played so few minutes that he kind of dropped off. That For the other model that I was looking at, which is the Opta Analyst, um, he needed 900 minutes at the end of the season. Shaw only played 630. An interesting comparison in Ennis Cameron one was, so Ollie Shaw and Ennis Cameron played practically the same amount of minutes. So um, Shaw played 630 and Cameron played 620. Cameron, as you've kind of implied Martin he doesn't sometimes doesn't pass the eye test but Cameron got one goal and one assist and has and has 620 minutes he, he um Shaw got zero so although the kind of stats backed up Shaw um Shaw wasn't able to, to find a net or, or, or create a goal um whatsoever so Cameron I think has to be given a chance um this season, um, there was there wasn't a, as I said, uh, he didn't play the nine hundred minutes to put him onto some of the more advanced metrics and opt to like attack contribution. So attack contribution is is non penalty shots plus open play chances created, and on the analyst website it gives everybody in the Scottish Premier League you know a, a, a percentile. So those up at 99 percentile were like the best. So up at the top you had Fashion Sakala, Fredo Morelos, Kolak. Um, Abada, Jota, Ryan Kent, etc. But on page one, Kyle Vassell did find himself on page one of, of that um, first page of of un, uh, in terms of that um, attack contribution, which is it's might not mean much much to anybody. But if if you want to trust Opta, which I do, it means that as you were indicating, Martin, that not only did Kyle Vassell, you not only was he like passing the eye test, I suppose, to use that phrase again, where he was strong and competitive and given 100% and then um, came on to score goals and important goals and important moments. He was also statistically backed up in this model, which combines um, shots and open play chances created. So um, he was at 90% percentile. So that, that was... You know, the, the two players at either side of him for context were Scott Arfield, the Rangers, and Kyogo. Oh, so shows, that really, really bodes it does, well, doesn't it? It does. It does. It shows. It sh- for me, it, the story of the Ollie Shaw start is that yeah, on the on the eye of the stats of goals, no goals is like oh, it's not good enough. He, he missed that chance. Uh, the the biggest the, the biggest thing for me with it really struck it was the Hearts game because he came on we were two one up, um, and then he missed that one on one with Gordon, which saved. No, it was a good save, but he should have really. Took it away. Now I'm a big, I'm one of these people that kept saying last season. I, I liked Ollie Shaw. I remember the very first game against Dundee United. I gave him man the match, as you probably remember. I thought he was terrific. Um, held the lineup well. He looked like a player with confidence. And then all of a sudden, something just happened, um, and he lost his confidence. And I just feel as though he needed that goal in the league to give him that confidence. And then the, the, the tail of that stat really is that. If he did score that goal, 
I think we would have seen a different Ollie Shaw because he was getting those chances while he was in those minutes played. And even Vassell, you know, he's on a similar sort of um, expected goals ratio um, where Vassell started slow and then he got that goal and all of a sudden you could see the confidence in Vassell grow week on week. Um, So I do feel Ollie Shaw got a lot of slack and he didn't get enough chances. But at the end of the day, He's gone now. We move on, but I think it's just—it's just a sort of we are talking about stats. We've got last season stats, and yeah, I've got much to go on when we go on the attack. So I think it is very sort of key that we bring in these sort of players like Shaw, who who did, you know, he he did he was in the right areas. He just unfortunately didn't have the confidence to finish, and finishes one or two of those, and we may have seen a different Ollie Shaw. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a very good start to um, to bring up there, and and like I say, we'll we'll close uh, on that. But um, I must say, thanks again for everyone that's listening. We have eleven countries listening in last week in the first episode, so fantastic. From people from Canada and Australia to obviously up here, uh, the most area listened to, funnily enough, was Glasgow. So all those uh, Celtic and Rangers fans must be listening in, keen to hear about the the best team in Asia. But for now, thank you very much. Hope you enjoy. Um, Can I just get in with one yeah. last uh, plug? Sorry. Um, fan- we've got yeah, go ahead, Neil. We've got a fantasy league um, again this year. So. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. So the, the league is open. East Stand Discord League. So again, um, everything's on my Twitter, uh, at NeilDoherty1873. Um, so, yeah, there's a, a join code. If you're not playing, it's back, backed up with the Opta stats. A lot of people have already been playing it. If you're not, I would recommend you go on it if you're into this type of thing that me and Martin are talking about. Um, this will be a feature probably as, as the season develops. Martin and I possibly competing with each other <laughs> and, and everybody else. So East End Discord League, it's just a bit of fun. Um, the code to join is on my uh, Twitter profile. So if you're not in the Discord, get, get in there and um, join the Fantasy League. Thanks. Yeah, no issues, Neil. And I'll uh, share that out as well um, for the Fantasy uh, League. So the more Kilmarnock fans, the better. Um, yeah, just on that note, Neil, you beat me last season, didn't you? Um, my excuse was the World Cup happened and I totally forgot about it. And then we were in Sloan's that night at that book launch and you were talking about it and that got me um, in the mood for changing my team. And then I started to catch you off. I think I was about 300 points behind you and I ended up about... 180 so i took that as a small achievement um that i can gain on you next season this season and uh beat you so but i had to laugh just before you go i seen a saint Mirren podcast uh sharing their teams out and they're so anti-kilmarnock they've got not one kilmarnock player in the team and i'm like oh well your loss <laughs> um but uh no no it's uh it's out there for everyone so hopefully um yeah, the more Kamala fans, the better. Um, is there anything else, Neil, you want to shout out about? No, that's that, Martin. Great stuff. Well, for now, uh, take care. Have a good week. And uh, hopefully this time next week, we are celebrating. Boom, boom, boom. Let me say, Mayo, Mayo. Out and over. Up the killer. <laughs>